Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Zach trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Justin. Uh, you know, uh, it was not the most fun game I've ever watched uh, last <laughs> night. Uh, but, you know, uh, we uh, we have survived the West Coast uh, trip uh, and uh, are greeted with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Thanks. Thanks. Schedule. Jesus. Yeah, well, you you know, nice chance to get back on track with the Sixers, Miami Heat, Spurs, n- next three games. You yeah, know, some some that- real winnable games there on the <laughs> on the slate. Well, I I think it's important for us to point out Carter, and we do have a very special guest today. But Kyle Newbeck is here of the Philly Voice, and Kyle, I have a really important question for you: Are the Cavs going to sweep the season series against the Sixers? Oh, 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 oh. I am betting that the Sixers are hoping that doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I. You know, that's it's a really weird thing. I, and I think I feel like there have been some great Sixers Cavs games in recent years, you know, especially mm-hmm. I think Sixers fans like to remember the the peaks when they were beating the, the LeBron era teams. Yeah, I, I, the, I recall the overtime game in 2018 very specifically. That's that a very good one. I believe the game was that you were at the Sixers were absolutely murdering the Cavs. LeBron went nuts, huge comeback, and then you guys iced it in OT. And that was one of one of the very few fun games of the 2018 era. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right because if the Sixers were up by a lot and blew the lead at halftime, that was basically every Sixers game for you know about three years there. So that is very on brand for this group. Going through team building is a lot of fun, uh, <laughs> and and even even once you start to get up the hill, there's still so many obstacles you need to overcome. Um, for whatever reason, it seems like the Cavs have managed to steal a game uh, each year against the Sixers. Like I, I think this year and last year, they somehow won back-to-back games against the Sixers and Rockets. Now, that was more impressive when they did it last year. Um, but th- this year, it's it's certainly been a surprise. I think the Cavs are probably a little fortunate that they never got to experience the Drummond and Bede matchup because that historically... Oh, yeah. 
has not gone in the uh, in the favor of Andre Drummond. But Kyle, could, could you provide some insight on exactly kind of what's gone on in those two games? Is is it a matter of the Sixers kind of playing down to the competition, or I mean, obviously Embiid wasn't there for the first game, but it, it's still surprising that we're we're going into Game Three with a two zero record against Philly. Yeah, I, I think the first game I would chalk a lot of it up to being about Embiid's absence because up until about the last week or two, they were basically a, a terrible basketball team whenever Joel sat. And that, that's not just this season. That was his whole career up to this point from 2016 onward. The Sixers lose him and then they're just like a, a ship lost at sea somewhere. Uh, but the other game, I think, was closer to, you know, the Cavs did some things to bother them. I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Ben Simmons had something like seven turnovers or eight turnovers in that game. So, you know, some of that's on Ben. Some of that is on Cleveland making the right reads and jumping passing lanes and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's a combination of factors. I do think historically teams with good backcourts. Uh, even if they're young developing backcourts have given them trouble. It's a lot of, you know, they have two off the dribble shooters in Cleveland that can hurt them. So I'm sure that had something to do with it, but you know, it's, it's the NBA. There are weird quirks like this every year. Sometimes we get to the playoffs and, you know, we look on paper and says, Oh, this team was three and one against these guys in the regular <laughs> season. They're definitely going to roll over them. And then the opposite happens. And it just turns out that, you know, there were, there's a convergence of factors happening there. Yeah, yeah I, I do think Sexton in particular plays with a lot of relish against the Sixers. I mean, yeah. Zach Lowe often references that end of game or end of season game at the end of Sexton's rookie year where uh, he was play. you know, he was going through a pretty terrible run. Uh, the team was in pretty tough shape and Sexton kind of was fearlessly going at, you know, this behemoth Sixers team. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about this matchup, but it's one that I don't. You know, I mean, this this season is, you know, they've taken their fair share of L's. I think six six losses by uh, 30 or more, uh, uh, which is oof. Uh, yeah. Actually, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big old oof. Mm, actually, I, I can't remember. Either way, either way, it's not a good number. Um, but, you know, uh, for whatever reason, with, with Philly, it's not a team that I go, oh, man, we're in for a rough one. And it, and it really should be based on the season they're having. You know, now that you mention it to bringing up Sexton's name, I think like just the way he's wired, I know even going back to college, he's, you know, hyper competitive guy and all the the superlatives you could say about somebody's character. Mm -hmm. And so when you combine that with the Sixers team that, you know, they're a little bit further in their development, they feel themselves a little bit like they've been all stars, all NBA, they're in, you know, year end award type talk. So they go into a game against, oh, they look down on, it's not just like a team below them in the standings, but it's like a young team that uh, maybe we can just show up tonight. But Colin Sexton, generally speaking, is not the type of guy that you just can roll it out there and he's going to like lie down for you. Like I, I think when right after Brooklyn made the James Harden trade, they found that out the hard way. Like they were still figuring things out and Colin Sexton had a ridiculous night against them. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny. I, I think it was a Cavs Twitter friend of ours. I think it was Ziggy that tweeted that professional teams just kill the Cavs right now. Like, if you show <laughs> up and you execute really, really well, then the Cavs kind of just don't have the... They don't have the horses to keep up, but, like, they that's kind of where they've thrived this season overall is, you know, th- when teams aren't giving their A effort, the Cavs are able to stay in games. And sometimes what they'll, they can kind of set that tone 
and they are so relentless because they if there is one good thing about this Cavs team it's that when they're playing well they're playing pretty well and if you let them get going then you're in for a game I mean the problem is when they're not playing well they really can't dig themselves out that's why they're losing all these games by double digits and more I guess not more than double digits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank, that, now that would be really impressive. Now, that, 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 would, that would be hard on the spirit. Um, that, but you that's know, basically do... how Twitter acts after a lot of Kaz losses these days. And, <laughs> and that's, that's part of why I, I value having you here, Kyle, and kind of bring in some outside perspective. Cause right now it does feel like things are a, a little bleaker than they need to be. Uh, for, for whatever reason it feels oh, like dude, you're talking to somebody who deals with a fan base where dubbed the, the, the running bit on Twitter is that they could be up by 15 at halftime and half the fan base is miserable. And <laughs> if you just read people's tweets, you would think it was the opposite that they're down 15. So I, I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. It, it's but the I mean, beauty. It, it's the beauty of markets that, that are passionate about sports that love absolutely. their teams. Like it, it's something that happens and with a little bit of a, a victim complex. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe just, maybe just a hair of that. Just that, a smidge. I don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> we have, a, I, I we have a lot this, of people. I did have, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, last night I went to sleep and I was just like, Justin can confirm. I was, you know, I was messaging him. I was really down in the dumps and I had just been working a really long work week and I was just overtired and, and, and pissy. Then I, I got like 10 hours of sleep last night. I woke up. I had all the, all the context in the world. Oh, I, I was as zen as could be. I'm like, is, is how I feel about this team exclusively based on how tired I am on a given <laughs> on a given day? Because I really think that's 90% of what most people are. It's just like whatever your state is, is what you project onto the team. Because yeah. this morning I've been all I've been all optimism, baby. And, and plus, we're all kind of in a more vulnerable state right now because the last year has been a little tough and this season sure. is tough. And um, I, I was rolling my eyes a little bit this morning too, just wrong side of the bed type stuff. But looking at so many people that predicted 15 wins that are now saying, well, this team should be a lot better than they are right now. <laughs> well, they have 17. Like this is this is what, what what did you expect? You can't move the goalposts like that. Uh, but Kyle, you, you mentioned obviously Sexton uh, playing well against Philly. Uh, some of the turnovers the Cavs have been able to generate in those matchups. Has there been anything else in those games that has st- stood out to you uh, from a Cavs perspective? Well, I, I really think that the way that they've played Simmons has been great. Like, I think that's a standout thing because I, I believe both games he was pretty poor. And, you know, some of that was Ben started the season in, in a bad funk, but, mm-hmm. you know, they played them a little bit later on and sort of the same story. Like they decided, look, we can protect the rim. We can, like, I, I believe they had Jared Allen for the, uh, the second game that they played. If yeah. I remember correctly, they did because he had a, he had a couple of the most ill-fated post of attempts on Joel <laughs> that I've ever seen. Well, listen, yeah, look, when he's going up against Joel, he's actually done a decent job over his career, generally speaking against Joel, but, I think that game in particular, Joel was on kind of a mission. Thirteen just... foot post up attempts. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe leave those in the in the bag next time. Yeah. Uh, but so they have they they trust their rim protectors back there, and so other than that, they're playing passing lanes, and they're saying, "Look, if Ben Simmons can go out there and he can score twenty five points against us or thirty points, that's a big rarity for him. Then fine, we'll live with that." but we're going to take away his advantages as a passer and as a playmaker. And, you know, a lot of teams attempt to do that. There's a lot of like shrink the court and and, like try to turn him into a scorer, but not everybody is 
effective at it because he can hit guys from all angles. So I was impressed from that standpoint. I'm just impressed. Like every time I've seen them, I obviously, I haven't watched the Cavs a ton this year, but Mm -hmm. whenever I've seen them, it's a very professional effort. As you guys have said, when teams open windows for them, they generally walk through them or go through them and they, Mm -hmm. they take that opportunity. And that to me is a good sign for a young team. Like I always used to think the idea of, you know, the teams learning how to win this kind of this hokey BS concept. And then I see the Sixers over the years, like they very much went through that arc where, you know, they were winning a lot of games, but there were games they could have put away way earlier or games they should have won, but ended up losing. Whereas this year, it's just professional effort after professional effort after professional effort. And they've built these reps over time where now they figure that out. So, you know, I'm not saying that uh, Sexton and Garland are Embiid and Simmons or anything, but you know, you yes. can see, <laughs> yeah, you can see positive developments and it's like the, they're, they're on the right track for where they're at in their careers. I think. What do you think of the Cavs backcourt? Cause obviously it's something that gets discussed a lot, uh, with both point guards being under six two. Um, there, there's obviously examples of that working with other teams, but it's always dependent on kind of the team context, the support structures they put around them. Do you, do you think that this is a backcourt that could work in the future or are you kind of on the, the wait and see side of things? I would say I'm on the wait and see side of things, but I will admit like in their first years, I didn't see it that much with them. And then both guys have taken very noticeable leaps forward. I think, you know, a lot of that is just their shooters now. Like if both of those guys are, you know, they don't have to be elite shooters necessarily, but if they're high level shooters, especially off the dribble where you can put pressure on teams as pick and roll players. Like they're not wing size players, like, you know, a team like the Celtics have, but it's it's a very powerful thing when, you know, if you have a ball handler and an opposing team puts their best perimeter defender on that guy and you can give it to another ball handler and say, look, we trust you maybe not more than this guy, but at least as much as that guy to go out and get a bucket or create for teammates. I think that's always, you know, the game's going to change many times over between now and when we're, you know, old and in our rocking chairs, still watching (laughs) basketball. But I think anytime you can create mismatches and put pressure on people off the dribble, that I think is, that's always going to be valuable. So uh, they're going to need some help. I think when you have a small backcourt like that, you really need to load up on, you know, athletic defenders, rim protectors, so on and so forth. And those are guys that tend to get paid a lot of money or go high in the draft. So it, it's, it's, it'll be tough, but it, you know, I think it's probably doable. It's funny it's, that you say that. Cause in a lot of ways, and I don't know if most, I don't know if most non cabs, you know, diehards or, you know, people who watch a lot of the team, uh, notice this, but for me, I actually notice more uh, needs on the offensive end of the ball than the, de- than the defensive end of the ball at this point because they've really started to build the right infrastructure. They're still too young, so they're still just not, they're not going to be a good defensive team with a core of twenty two year olds. You know, we know that. Yeah. Um, but you know, with archetypally Isaac Okoro, Larry Nance, Jared Allen is kind of the perfect front court to pair with those guys, and you know. You, there's always going to be a defensive uh, ceiling that is going to be hard to hit with two guys with their frames and their and their sizes. But offensively, I feel like that's actually the num- the one where I'm seeing like, man, is this team dying for a big wing mm-hmm. that can handle the ball a little bit and 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 kind of beat these uh, these teams that really can just throw oversized wings at uh, Sexton and Garland and trap them and 
make the floor you know hard to see um that and that's where where they really are missing that connective tissue right now justin just prefers to boil it down to front court scoring so he can just say it'll all be fixed when kevin love comes back but (laughs) i i do think there is some ball it it actually i think their size is actually a little limiting on the on the other side of the ball i I can also pivot and say it's a home court thing because i i just tweeted this out before we started podcasting but their o rating at home is 109.3 and on the road it's 98.6 that's uh you're, you're not going <laughs> Kyle <laughs> let me just tell you something this team's road splits just take take five minutes and go look them up they <laughs> are I'm sure they're comical well that they... actually reminds me uh you guys know Matisse Thibel Philadelphia's uh of course mm-hmm. wing second year player I believe last year I think his shooting splits from three I think at home he was in the low 40s and then he was in the high 20s on the road so uh, that was like Man, this guy goes from being like Ray Allen to me out there. Essentially, that's that's I that's Okoro. (laughs) I think he's shooting thirty nine percent from three at home and like eleven percent on the road. It's just absurd. Like it up and down the roster that that seems to be the case. And I mean, we've we've highlighted some of the stuff before. They've talked about not having shoot arounds, all the COVID protocols on the road. You're not comfortable. This is a young team. Those teams typically play better at home. So there's a lot of factors there. But For, for for those that don't know, the Cavs have. A minus 2.9 net rating at home. Okay. 2.9. On the road, they are. Oh my God. Can you please update? Minus 13.3. Ooh, man. (laughs) I don't know if there has ever been a 10 point net rating swing from home games to road games. That's just absurd. And man, like, I I don't want to dive too much into a game preview because we're in a situation where Jared Allen's been out with a concussion. Hopefully he can come back. Uh, Larry Larry Nance Nance has been sick. Yeah. Larry Nance out with this illness, Uh, not COVID related. So that's good (laughs) because obviously you don't want him dealing with that, especially with some of the immune issues that he has. Uh, But I I do want to kind of pivot a little bit to Philly uh, because I find Philly to be really uh, interesting. You you had mentioned that they're a little further along the uh, team building path For than sure. the Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> Just a smidge. This this was a team that I, I slapped some money on to make the finals uh, before the season. So I, I think that's fair to say that they're kind of a little further along the developmental curve. Uh, but I'm curious. Now that the trade deadline has passed and kind of the dust has settled with a lot of the buyout market guys... Of the contenders and fringe contenders, which teams, Philly included, if you want to include them, uh, have improved in a way that matters? So, I mean, I just, I still think Brooklyn is the, it's like the boring answer. I think Brooklyn is the alpha dog with, you know, they have Durant and Harden. I think it's wild that anyone doesn't, Kyle. Yeah, I just, look, I I ultimately, and I said this before they got Harden, I watched them on opening night and you watched Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And anytime you have two guys who are just absolute nails as scorers Mm -hmm. and can create a shot whenever they want, who can hit shots with hands in their faces, like, yeah, I know the defense is pretty mystifying at times, but, you know, I just, you add James Harden to that mix and I just don't see how teams card them. Now on the flip side of that is I think the Sixers probably match up well with them comparatively to like, not just the rest of the East, but the rest of the league, because they cannot guard Joel Embiid. There is mm-hmm. no chance they can stop him in a series. And so then it just becomes like, okay, if Ben Simmons can at least slow down one of their perimeter guys, he's like, obviously he's not going to stop all three. If who, do you want, who, who do you want to put Simmons on? Um, it's 
I I think I believe I wrote a preview before the last game. I think I would put in on Harden because Harden has been the creative the engine that. behind that team. And, you know, I think with Kevin Durant, if you put Simmons on him, there's a chance that he just hits every shot anyway. Like it might not matter. Where you're, you're taking ben, the words out of my mouth. That, that is exactly the, the kind of game plan that I would anticipate or the, the one that I would recommend. Not, and not you anyway. hope that someone like in, you hope that someone like Matisse can stay on the floor enough, right? Just to exactly. you know, get under him, use his fast hands and, and bother him before the shot is up in the air, right? Yeah, and before and he's think, up in the his form, I think with Harden, Ben can just stop him from creating as much dribble penetration as he needs to. And even if he does, I think they trust Joel back there to clean it up and protect the rim and what have you. And so then you just start like, look, if Kevin Durant shoots you out of a series, what are you going to do? The guy's an all-time great Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame player whatever but if 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 james harden is getting into the paint and sucking everybody in and creating open three after open three after open three for other players i think that's where you get into the danger zone with them so mm-hmm. that's how, how i would play it but i i still think i think brooklyn out of the east is the favorite like i don't believe i i was a bigger bucks believer before you know, last year's meltdown. Maybe they're a little better this year with yeah. Drew Holiday. And well, I don't I, know if I, I like to, finally learned his lessons. Or... <laughs> I, I, I like to point out that you, you go back a couple of years. Now, assuming the Warriors still have the same injuries, like game three, up to nothing against Toronto. If Giannis gets a single free throw in regulation, they probably win a championship if the Warriors have the same injuries. And yeah, yeah obviously last year's meltdown was ugly. Uh, I'm assuming Jeff Teague doesn't do a whole lot for you <laughs> the, the same way he doesn't do a Not whole lot much, for us. No. <laughs> and, and you know what? Maybe there's some bias kicking in here because we, we were talking about the Nets and that's the other team that is winless against the Cavs this season. So may, maybe that's coloring uh, my view a little bit. But I have legitimate concerns uh, about KD's health, like being able to stay healthy for a full playoff Which is run. fair. Yeah, for sure. when he, he's missed this much time. And even I just think from a continuity standpoint, it's going to be difficult if he does come back with like a month left before the playoffs. I it just feels like one of those situations where it's they're going to be a nightmare next season, but it might take a year similar to what happened with Miami. And personally, I, I just don't really like what they did with the, the buyout options. Like I, I understand going for those guys. And I, I think maybe Blake has a little bit more potential to help them out because he, he's a playmaker and can do other things. Yeah. But LaMarcus, if you're playing him, like I, I don't know if you should be playing over Claxton and, and this might be a hipster and, and NBA Twitter type <laughs> this thing. This is such a hipster take. It, it, I think it is a hipster man, take, but he sucks there. I don't think there's much juice left there, man. I think I get your point. I think I think Nash has is a really capable coach and personality manager where, you know, I don't think I think he has legit clout in that locker room to make the the right decisions. I mean, Claxton's been eating up more and more minutes anyway, no matter what they've been doing. So I just feel like it's another uh, bolt in the chamber because like ultimately, like we have not seen a guy like Nick Claxton in the playoffs yet. Like those are the kind of players who look nice and then. Uh, someone schemes them out of a series mm-hmm. right. you know i'm not saying that's going to happen to him but that happens to young players all the time and it's not a there's no slander in saying that so i don't know man i i just think you look at the overall talent level and it doesn't appear to be super close uh compared to the rest of the east and my question kyle is about the the you know a deal that philly didn't make which was 
cashing in some assets and going and getting Kyle Lowry. How did you feel about that at the time? How do you feel about it now with a little bit of hindsight? So I was generally speaking an advocate for them trading for Lowry because, you know, I look at Joel Embiid. This is the best he's ever been. He obviously hurt right now. I think he's going to return right after you guys will miss him. So that's a lucky break for for your boys in Cleveland. Um, Oh boy, could we use some? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, but I think you look at the landscape and you say like Joel Embiid's on an MVP type track this year. Tobias Harris now at like a he didn't make the All Star team, but I think he's played he's been at so an All Star level. Yeah. Ben Simmons is at a Defensive Player of the Year type level. The offense is still like up and down for him as it's been throughout his career, but you know he's a very valuable guy. So you look at that and they still need or they still feel like they need another ball handler, like a legit ball handler for if and when there are issues related to Simmons's offense in the playoffs, because, you know, we mentioned other guys who run into walls in the playoffs or, or might run into pitfalls. He's had some spectacular failures on the big stage to the point where when they were there two years ago with Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler basically just took the ball and he Ben stood in the dunker spot and didn't really do anything on offense. Now, granted, he's checking Kawhi on the other end. So that's the lion's share of his work. But, you know, it's still not ideal that your quote unquote point guard is basically a a non-entity on offense. So I was in favor of the Lowry move, but I will say based on my reporting and what other people I trust have reported and said over the last, you know, week, two weeks, the price just got so far up there that I just, I don't think that they could do it without feeling somewhat bad about it. I think this is a team that's conscious of the fact that, you know, that was a 35 year old guy, like they're trading for a guy in his mid thirties, whereas, you know, Bradley Beal might become available at right. some point and they're going to want to have, I, like, I don't know if it's Bradley Beal. It could be anybody. Like sure. it could be the Zach Levine. If this thing with Vucevic doesn't work out. You, you want to keep the power. You want to keep the powder dry. Right. Right. And they want somebody like if they're going to cash in a lot of their chips and that's, that's, that's picks, that's young players because the, the offer that was reported was, Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey and two first round picks. And they would have had to give up salary, which in this case would have meant they got to trade Danny Green, who has been, as he's been on like every team he's ever been on. He's an important defensive piece. He's a guy who in a post-up centric offense He's been great as that weak side release valve in the corner. He's and he's never, been playing way better lately. Like he, he's, he's been really awesome. been good. Been awesome. I and will. I'll be holding Danny Green stock when he's 38, 40 you, you years old. You and Dave DeFore. You and Dave DeFore. Me, me and DeFore love that. Danny Green more than anyone else. <laughs> Listen, I've been, I've been banging this drum all year, but having a guy like him that is not afraid to take a shot at any moment, he doesn't care who's in his face. Like ball comes to him. He's locked and loaded, ready to go. I've seen a difference between like Seth Curry, who's on the Sixers. Great, great shooter. Like one of the best shooters in the entire league. But there are possessions where he has an open-ish look and he hesitates. Mm -hmm. That that never happens with Danny. And he's like, he's been through all these battles. He's, there's no moment that's too big for him. He's a great locker room guy, great off-ball defender. Like losing him on top of all the future stuff would have been a huge deal for this team. So I, well, I think I get why they didn't trade for Lowry. Yeah. And what is interesting about that is because I thought the heat trade sans hero was the poo-poo platter of all poo-poo platters. Oh, like Duncan yeah. Robinson. And 
uh, you know, precious a, a, and a free agent, a rookie who hasn't done anything yet, and then some 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 vets for salary. And I thought, okay, you know, Masai shouldn't just give Kyle Lowry away for anything. But you know, I did think like Tyrese Maxey matching salary in a first seemed like a lot. I, I that's kind a good of, deal. Yeah, I kind of was surprised that uh, it, it became pretty clear to me at least that Masai was looking for. Godfather offer, and you just weren't going to get that for a 35 year old. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, yes, Kelly Olenek. Like, Kelly Olenek would probably need to be moved uh, to, to make the salary work. And yes, he was the best player that came back in the James Harden trade at this point. But still, like, I'm that, sorry, Jared Allen was the best player that oh, got moved true. in the James Harden I, trade. I, I, I meant went to Houston, but very good correction. Uh, but Kyle, do, do you think the leaking? that Kyle Lowry was interested in kind of negotiating an extension had any impact on his trade value? Because on the one hand, like it kind of, it would be assumed that you're bringing in Kyle Lowry with some assumption that he'd be there beyond the season, especially if your team like Philly or Miami, who figures to be in that contending conversation for at least the next couple of years. Um, but at the same time, when you have someone that's 5'11", 35 years old, has had injury issues in the past maybe like actually seeing like the two years 50 mil or whatever was reported out there do you, do you think that had any impact on how much they, they were willing to pay uh, maybe a little bit but i think you know even before like lowry was quote unquote available i was hearing stuff from you know within the sixers and outside the sixers that they just didn't want to make any kind of unless there was like a true blue chip like youngish star on the market which for all intents and purposes i don't think anybody near that level would say like i would say lowry is a like he's probably a star maybe like an aging star but still a a star but they were not going to pay full sticker price for a guy like that like he's too old and he's got all kinds of miles like there's just there are too many risks they were taking there if they had been able to get a 27 28 year old version of Lowry, like that type of impact, I think they would have made that deal. Like I, I think the Sixers really wanted to make the James Harden deal. Mm. I, they've really pushed for that. I don't think Houston wanted to make a deal with uh, with the Sixers. I think that was ultimately, or more the, specifically, the, with Daryl Morey. With Daryl Morey, yeah, that was. Uh, there's some bad blood there. As, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure a few people listen to this now. I got, I got to ask. They did end up trading for George Hill. And I'm just kind of wondering when it's not cutting time in the postseason, you know, who should be the the closing five for this team? I've actually been saying, you know, I haven't seen George Hill play for the Sixers yet, but I and Seth Curry has been great. I sort of feel like he's going to bump Seth Curry out of lineup and they're going to roll George Hill, Danny Green, Simmons, Harris and Bead. Because that's a, you know, that's a hell of a defensive lineup. <laughs> it's a great defensive lineup. You have a bunch of shooters on the floor. Like George Hill might be the worst offensive player in that group. And he, and he, and he know, can hit open Simmons threes is, with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Right. He was, I think he was the best three point shooter in the entire league last year, efficiency wise. He shot like 46% from three or something ridiculous. So, yeah, if you, you know, watch if him, you only your... take someone they're open, though. Like, yeah. if but, Seth is a little hesitant, he is. And, and he should be hesitant because he does not, <laughs> like, he's been a former cap because he is not someone who shoots well 
through a contest. At least the eye test tells me that. Do not go look up those numbers and prove me wrong. But <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not even going to buy. It's not on a live, not on a live podcast. Don't 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 do me like no, that. No, not after <laughs> the fact. Nothing. We 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 don't want accountability here. That's that's the absolute last thing we want. Please. Please no, but yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, he is if he is the worst offensive player on the court, but he is you know weak side corner just cashing wide open threes. I mean, there are much worse places to be. Yeah, I I just think I've seen Seth Curry in some recent games against good teams just get picked on a bit defensively, and that was a concern I had coming into the year. I actually think with. Uh, the assistant coach they have, Dan Burke, who's basically their defensive coordinator. They brought him over from Indiana in the offseason. He's done a tremendous job getting, you know, career best efforts out of pretty much everybody on defense. So he's been able to mask guys who have been, you know, bad defenders in the past or there have been a lot of overachievers. But I'm still dubious that a few of these guys are going to be you know, ultimately playable in big spots. And I think Seth is the most important one because He's been the most critical, one of the most critical pieces to building the offense around uh, Ben and Joel. Mm-hmm. Well, he also has a little bit more off the dribble juice than I think people yeah. are, are aware of with him. They they see just a just a shooter. And I feel like that was one of the big appeals of Kyle Lowry to me was that he you have a pick and roll initiator or at, le- at the very least a secondary initiator once the defense is off balance. And I don't think George Hill adds a lot of that at this point in his career. But so so that's I think that's the the kind of calculus you're gonna have to make if you're that coaching staff, which is, do I want the uber elite three point shooting or do I want the defensive versatility? Because there is a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, and, and I think George Hill's length really factors in as well. Like we we sure. we saw even in recent games, like I watched a fair amount of the Raptors, but against the Cavs, like it is clear that Lowry's kind of lost a bit of a step defensively, and he made up for that in the past with really quick feet with being a very physical defender but the ease at which like someone like Darius Garland was able to get by him uh like that started to stand out to me and especially when you're kind of planning for the future and you have a finite amount of assets in the cupboard I I kind of understand where Philly's coming from not wanting to go all in on that even though uh, like in my opinion this is a very very good chance for them to contend for a championship this season yeah. And I think to your point, like the devil's advocate on that point, it's like, you know, maybe he has lost a step and maybe he can't recover the way he used to, but they have Joel Embiid. There are a lot of safety the paint. Nets. So like he is, he is the walking safety net for them. And then on top of that, if for whatever reason you have a bad matchup at point guard, Ben Simmons has shown, look, I'll just switch on to the point guard. And, you know, that's not always the solution. And to get to the finals, you're going to have to play teams like Brooklyn that you're not going to be able to just stick guys in the corner and hide them somewhere. The worst guy might be like Joe Harris, who's going to come off screens and just absolutely punish you if you're not diligent navigating through traffic. So yeah, that group is scary. He's man. going to Joe Harris is going to drive another fan base nuts, nuts in the the playoffs or or break their <laughs> hearts. Like the the fact that they have him out there just wide open is terrifying. Were there any other it's, teams it's, that stood out to you uh, after the trade deadline that you feel like have improved or have reached contender status when they weren't there before? I think I'm interested in seeing Miami with Oladipo. Like I, I would say I'm a skeptic of Oladipo at this point after the injury he suffered. Like he's been really up and down in the the time that he's played since. But you know he's another athletic, 
guy who can defend, guy who can initiate. And as we were talking about with the Cavs earlier in the podcast, anytime you can put more initiators on the floor that are going to just stretch defenses out and punish you if they get good matchups, like I'm always interested in teams like that. And they can look, we saw it in the playoffs last year with Bam at center they can just switch everything and they can play all kinds of hybrid defenses. They can really lean on their zone. Jimmy Butler is a guy that, you know, I kind of make fun of him for some of his uh, <laughs> tendencies, but you know, he's a, he's a dog for back of, lack of a better word or back, lack of a better term. And the guy shows up in big moments. So I'm interested to see them. I, I think Boston has not been quite good enough this year to really uh, me either, you know, worry about they're, them. They're, they're too not much. taking the leap. Yeah, I just uh, and again, they're like they're like extremely it's like dollar store Brooklyn where they have you know, some <laughs> some great perimeter talent, but they have like if the Sixers are matched up against them, Embiid might go for like 40 a game. He went for 30 a game against them last year and they were a a better version of the team they are this year. So, yeah. You know, that Yeah, I I'm so disinterested in Miami and I'm going to I'm going to pull one right from uh, the Miami Heat fan base here with 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 the Canby give because that's how that's how I feel about this <laughs> about this Heat team. I think I, I mean how how long do we need to to see the 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 fraudulent bubble three-point numbers before we just believe them? Yeah. Cuz I I just I didn't I didn't it felt fluky while they were doing it. It felt weird while they were doing it. I feel like we just all agreed that it wasn't fluky, and I don't know why. Because well, I, I, I mean, don't the think Clippers, the, is... the Clippers got fooled by it too. They they think Bubble Rondo hitting threes is, is a thing that's <laughs> oh worth yes. that's worth trading multiple <laughs> picks for. To, to me, like I think Miami is a good team. I, I remember I, I believe their regular season pace last year was like for forty seven wins. I'm like, yeah, that seems right. Mm-hmm. Like that felt right to me. And like I don't see like this like nascent fifty-seven win team. Uh, like I I know Bam is taking a leap, but Jimmy's just gonna get older. I just I Justin and I both were like really wanted them to trade for Lowry because we didn't think they were gonna be contenders <laughs> after, and we were very confident that that was just gonna cap them. Yeah, because they were gonna give away all their 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 kids for for a thirty-five year old to make the conference finals maybe plus plus um, there was a lot of reporting that drummond would be going to toronto as uh, the third team in the deal so no, that, that, that has nothing to do well. with it that has nothing well to do listen with it. Uh, here's what i would say about miami i saw the jimmy butler act up close and you know there are some guys that seem to know how to play at a high level in the regular season but still let's say selectively give a damn during the Mm -hmm. regular season. I think Jimmy Butler, I saw that firsthand. Like he just, there was a switch as soon as they got into the playoffs that that guy was just a a total, and he was really good at at points during that regular season he spent in Philly, but they hit the playoffs and that guy just was like on a totally different level. He's a 16 game player as Draymond likes to say Uh, there's no denying that. Yeah. Again, I I would not want to play the heat if I were a contender. I just, I just don't see it even with Oladipo. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like they were an Oladipo away um, from true contender status by any means. Like I, I think it's a perfectly fine move. I just don't understand I'm just not in I'm not in any rush to fall over myself to to congratulate that team for what they did this. Like, yeah, they didn't give up much, but they did give up uh, you know, their starting power forward who was really, really helpful for them all year. 
don't uh, don't worry know. they will congratulate themselves enough that they, well, they yeah, will do it telling me <laughs> they will do that Be enough culture buddy yeah they will Be do that culture. enough for the collective nba universe uh but before we wrap this thing up got one thing i want to get I want your predictions on who is going to be in each conference finals and the NBA finals. I, I, I want to go a little long. Can, can I play too? Yeah, we're, we're all going to give our takes. Don't oh, you, don't that's you nice. I, I asked him first. Yeah, enough with you. I was just, I was just asking. Enough with okay. you. Okay, so um, this is obviously going to be pending whatever the standings are because I think it's a lot it. of. Don't no, no, no. I'm, listen, I'm going to give you my picks uh, with the the caveat that I just gave. I think it's going to be Sixers Nets in the conference finals. And I think it's going to be, let's say, Lakers Nuggets. I'm going to be kind of boring. Uh, I, don't... I love that Nuggets team now, man. They make so much sense with Gordon. I got to say, like, you know, coming, being on the, from the Philly perspective, there's obviously a lot of, I think it's like misplaced Jokic hate because people on Twitter are like, well, they they constantly compare. Mm-hmm. I remember the Dame Kyrie wars. Yeah, I was going to say Kyrie John Wall. Kyrie John oh, Wall yeah, is yeah, what yeah, yeah. sticks out to me. So you guys get it. It's it, whenever you have a good player at a certain position, they inevitably get compared to other elite players at the position. Uh, so there's been a lot of hate from Philadelphia towards Jokic. Where like I love watching that guy play. I think he's I mean, how great, good? and he's. He's wholly like he's wholly unique. He's way different than Joel. Like both of those guys are good at different things. They succeed in different ways. And I get like that's how sports works. It's very uh, territorial. And you're, it's all about your guy. But I just I, this season has been great because it's the the resurgence of the big man. Like for mm-hmm. a while there, until Embiid went out, basically it was two big men at the top of the MVP list. And now it's probably, I think Jokic is probably, if not the favorite, he's right there for the MVP right now. Cause he's, he's the only guy who's played at that he's level. He's the only one left standing. Yeah. Healthy for most of the season. <laughs> I think it's just going to come down to whether uh, his team wins enough games where some people feel good mm-hmm. voting for him. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And and your finals pick, you obviously have Brooklyn because you, you yeah, alluded to I, that earlier. I just, yeah, like I wish I could pick the team I cover because I'd love to cover a finals team. I just I think they're I think Brooklyn at, with their full weaponry is going to go. And again, it's boring, but I think it's Brooklyn LeBron and Anthony Davis or LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I expect that they'll they'll figure it out. I'm, I'm going to go full hipster here. And, and I hate. Doing oh, here this. we go. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're getting a I, I agree with your conference finals in the West. I think it's going to be Buck Sixers, though, in the East. Um, I do not trust, I do not trust the health of KD or AD. Um, like I, I'm really worried about that as well as LeBron. Like, I, I just think the timelines, how, just how rushed this season is. I think it's going to be really difficult for a lot of these guys to recover. And Philly kind of has the infrastructure to work Joel back a little more gradually once he is back. Joel is like, also young. Yeah. Well, that's a significant factor as well. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be a Nuggets Sixers finals. And I, I'm You're, really, you are such a hipster. I am such a hipster. I don't care. I, I normally don't go this route, but I'm going this route today. And I'm really looking forward to that matchup, especially if Jokic does get an MVP. Cause I think the storylines would be out of control and that would be, be a so lot good. of damn fun. That'd be so much fun. That would be a very, very fun outcome. I think I'm going to go, uh, I, I like Philly, Brooklyn too, in the East. And I think Brooklyn's going to come out. I just think they're, their talent level is bananas. Like, I feel like um, 
there was already so many narrative swings where it was like uh the pro brawn camp and the anti brawn camp have already like like taken these annoying swings back at each back and forth at each other to try to raise up the nets as a threat and then denigrate them down <laughs> so if lebron wins they don't like it's just this horrible little trying to have it both ways it's yeah, terrible it's this terrible battle that we get to just like sit on the sidelines of i think their talent level is bananas i think we're going to look back at them even knowing that blake and lamarcus are closer to washed than they are to what they used to be and go holy crap <laughs> this team is the perhaps the best best offensive talent ever maybe um, you know, I, I have like, been prone to overthinking it in the past, and I am more than willing to I, accept I the possibility that I'm doing this here. It, it is wild that you have built an entire podcast belief system out of defenses for nerds, and yet you do not have this team in the final. This team reminds me so much of like the 2017 Cavs that just had like uh, uh, just ungodly firepower, and nobody could hang with them except perhaps the greatest team ever assembled and the 2017 Warriors. And so I, I got Brooklyn coming out of the East. I, I love Nuggets Lakers coming out of the West uh, with one big caveat. LeBron, last time LeBron had a major injury, he did not look good when mm-hmm. he came back from it. And he is at the That's age. That's a very fair point. He is in the age bracket that makes me nervous about that. Well, where, that's, you know. That was my reasoning, he, right? Uh, yeah, he's got a real ramp up um, that he's going to have to do. Um, and the team might need him to be good right away just in in terms of the seating race. So, I'm definitely worried about his recovery, but I, you know, I'm I'm going to do the long bet on his general health and freakishness. I will say this. I can't just I can't quite quit the Clippers. Oh, I feel like no. I don't like them. I I don't enjoy them, but I remember I just feel like Last Kawhi's year, already shopping for his next team. You you know him. He, he, he just bought like a five hundred million dollar house um, in South in, Beach, in LA. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, so like, I don't know, man. I just got a weird. I got a weird vibe that like we all are just going to clown them all year, and then they're we're going to realize like, oh no, they're still really, really, really good, and I think they can beat anybody. Like, so I, I have this. I I think it's the I think it's the finals appearance that nobody wants to see nobody wants to see including Sixers fans if the Sixers somehow make it there because yeah. if, if they have to play Kawhi in the finals to get uh, in the oh, finals lot of like the playoffs at so all some real PTSD, PTSD yeah yeah <laughs> so like I don't know I just feel like I feel like everyone's just a little too quick to write them off even though I would very much not root against them but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh I'm gonna stick with Lakers Nuggets and uh but just i don't think we should be forgetting about this clippers team i i do got love for tyloo so i'll uh and that's the other thing is that's the only reason i'll be happy for them yeah just because i love ty (laughs) the only likable person on that in that organization Yeah, well they've shipped off everyone else yeah that's a good point kyle thank you so much for your time we really really appreciate you joining us uh before we go do you have anything that you'd like to plug for our audience right now no, just uh, follow my work at the Philly Voice, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Newbeck. Otherwise, you know, hope everybody is staying safe and healthy at home right now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time and joining us on the podcast here. I really appreciate our listeners as well. If you are watching live on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. And if you're listening on the podcast, do what you should always be doing to any podcast you love and want to support. Leave that rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying 
staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cats.